Welcome back to Making It So. This is our episode 13, and I'm your captain, Craig, and here's my other co-captain, Matty. How you going, mate? Good, yourself? Oh, mate, that episode was great. So, we are talking Star Trek A Strange New Worlds, season two, episode two, Ad Astra Per Aspera. What does that mean? It means to the stars through hardship. Nailed it. So, first of all, spoilers. If you have not watched this episode and you don't want to be spoiled, please stop watching or listening now. Stop listening. Mm. Go watch the episode. If you're happy for spoilers... Feel free to keep listening because we will get right yeah, into it. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's such a shame that this is how they got rid of Una. Like, this is how they wrote her out of the show. Yeah, this and is, it was pretty, like, gory, too, yeah, the way they did is, it. This is what, yeah, who knew that, that, that Starfleet still did, like, executions in such a, you know, yeah, and like, like way? The, tra- the way they transported her body and it folded back on the side of itself, that didn't happen. <laughs> None of that happened. <laughs> Una's still around. Yeah, she's like one giant vagina. I was like, where's Maddie going with this? I'll just yeah, go with it. Just, you know. All right, yeah, shall we... Uh, Go on with the synopsis. So let's do that, shall we? Okay. It's a really short one. Commander Unachin Riley faces court-martial, imprisoned and dishonorable discharge from Starfleet. Mm. Directed by Valerie Weiss, writers Gene Roddenberry from The Grave, Akiva Goldsman and Alex Kurtzman. Mm. I'm quite surprised this wasn't the first episode of the season. Yes, so to me, this would have made way more sense to have this as the first episode. But then, saying that, Spock wouldn't have been the captain for the last episode, would he? Yeah, and I guess they had to get La'an back as well. Yes. You know, because she did provide some very important testimony as well. Like, it it kind of felt like it should have been the first, but I understand why they didn't make it the first. Mm. So I guess it's that clever way too of, you know, you, there's certain episodes you've, you'll notice like um, like back in what season five or six of Voyager, like um, Kate Mulgrew had that really important episode 1159 that was where it's like, and it was just all her, every scene, huge monologue. The scene, the episode before that was someone to watch over me where she gets into the start of the episode goes, okay, I'm going down to the planet on diplomatic stuff. Bye everybody. And you don't see her again until the end of the episode. <laughs> so she only would have worked a couple of hours that week so that she could prep for what was going on. So, yeah, I think I like the idea that maybe, you know, this was a way to give um, Una and Pike and all that kind of stuff time to sort of do what they needed to do. But then, yeah, spend last week getting La'an back. So yeah, well, that, last so week was there. very La'an and very Mbenga and uh, Nurse Chapel. It was very heavy on them. Mm. And this week, they saw, like, especially Chapel and Mbenga didn't have so much to do. Like, what it, they, they filmed just, was probably maybe a day or so. Yeah, like, the whole main sort of bridge crew just kind of sat in the conference room and just watched it all, and, and they were just cut to reactions. Yeah, it was like watching, great. That's what we needed. Like, they were, like, basically watching Judge Judy. Yeah. Space <laughs> Judge Judy. <laughs> oh, now I wanted the Judge Advocate General trick to be like, baloney! <laughs> but th- really they angry. had three judges up there. Yeah. But uh, did anyone else recognise that set? So the courtroom set. The courtroom itself was a reuse of one of the sets from um, Discovery. Uh, I can't tell you what episode it was off the top of my head, but it looked familiar okay. enough that I'm pretty sure it was a reuse. I guess it's all filmed in the same... It's all filmed up in Vancouver, isn't oh, it? And it, so. it makes sense to reuse these things as yeah, well. Yeah, looks like, great. Totally. 
Like, yeah. I liked how the set itself was like all white, and then mm. like the the judges' seats and everything that was all that like brown wood color, and yeah. it really stood out nice. I like the I uniforms too. The black and gold looked really cool as well. Yeah, yeah. And actually, that's one thing that I really liked in this episode: the costume design, mm. like the uniforms, like those formal uniforms for the Starfleet officers. They were really brought up to date. Like it's still. Showed the like the original series yeah, former uniforms looked that, really good. A lot of that real stupid gold stuff coming down the middle of the uniform, but still like in a nice way that still didn't look like it wasn't the ones from the original series. Yeah, so it's I just think, updated with really modern nice. techniques. You know, and their Pokemon badges are all wearing on their chests. Yeah, so, stuff, so. like the, their medals on their chests, like to me, like. I don't know, it doesn't seem like they've got any real pattern to the way that they put them on their uniform. Yeah, like, it seems to be, like, all I could interpret was it's like they're just a bunch of little triangles and it's just depending on what award you get, it just goes on. But where? Suddenly, yeah, they all just, just whatever. Pa- but, I mean, it looked like the Judge Advocate General, she had the most and hers was kind of like a starburst and then, like, another starburst coming below it. So, I think there is a general pattern in the shape, but the colours were just all over the place. So it's Yeah, just but then one of the others, the uh, I think it was the Vulcan mm. um, judge, he had like a like a little cutout on the bottom of his that almost looked like a kangaroo foot coming out the bottom. Oh. <laughs> it, it, was, it was very racist. weird. Why, why is that racist? Because he's a Vulcan. I don't know. Because <laughs> like, he's got a kangaroo foot coming out. Like, yeah, I'm not saying you're racist. I'm saying Starfleet's oh, racist. Oh, Starfleet's racist. Yeah. Oh, I was like, I'm because he's got racist. a little... He's got a little thing coming out just to be like, oh, that's the Vulcan ear badge is what he's got. Ooh, it's upside down though. Well, it's because they're racist. Yeah, damn. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the... And he was the, black too. The guest star for this one, what was her name? Nira. She basically said you're all a bunch of racists. Yeah, so. Nira Katul. How good was her? Like, she should get some sort of an award for this episode, I think. She acted she brilliantly. Really good. I've never seen her in anything else though. No, I didn't recognize her at all, but she was fantastic. Like, really good. Really compelling. Like, I couldn't take my eyes off her and she just, everything she said, she just said, she has this cool tone in her voice and she's very calm, but at the same time, very passionate. I don't know how she does it, but it's she, at no point did she feel like she was losing her cool at any point or not being controlled the entire time, but was still able to, you know, uh, include a lot of emotion into it without it sort of, yeah, being... Um, being like she was not in control. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like you, you could see like all the judges and the witnesses and the other, um, like lawyers and stuff were all getting frustrated. Yeah. About everything, and she and just stayed dead calm the whole time. I feel like the most sort of emotional of everybody was April. Like when, um, when Admiral April oh, kind yeah, of he stood got up upset, and had his, had his little <laughs> moment. Um, yeah, I feel like he was the most emotional out of anyone there. Like, he, 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 okay, all right. So anyway, let, let's go back to the start of the episode for a little bit. So the, it opens with us seeing child Una with a broken leg on their Illyrian home planet, I'm guessing, or their, their um, planet in that nebula or anyway. N- no, uh, maybe. Yeah, well, they, they did mention um, it was in that nebula, and which is the same planet. No, 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 that's the planet that... Pike went to. Yes, but then they did. Um, Una did mention their home in that nebula. So yeah, I, I think I it was think the same planet. Well, it can't be because she said there was later on when she was testifying, she said there was segregation between the humans and Into the Illyrians. The different cities. Yeah, and as it was established, humans can't survive on, on the planet was that Nero hu- was on. Was it humans or was it the um, non augmented Illyrians? 
Well, either way. But I, I don't... The planet that... Um, Nira, the planet we find Nira on is not her home planet. Okay. Right. Because he specifies um, about Illyrians on that on that planet. There was a line about it. So, yeah, she's she's not on her home planet. Okay, that's fair. Right, yeah. right. Either way. But, yeah, it's interesting that, like, a broken leg in that time, and even now, really, a broken mm. leg could possibly lead to death for someone, especially considering they have that medical technology but because well, she is augmented and she glows she can't go yeah and, and it can and adding an extra level of her the glowing like relieves the the infections mm. but it's like something as simple as that she could have died from even though she has all these advantages over it because of her her status she could have died from that is and you see i love there was a cutaway shot to just like the look on i think it was like Uhura and maybe um, Ortegas's faces and even Mbenga as a doctor as well, just just sick. Mm. Like just, like you could see them just having a visceral reaction to the idea that a child could die from an infected leg, from a broken leg in, in that day and age is, um, yeah, it was powerful. Yeah, so one of the, I guess, the bad guys in this episode is Pike's girlfriend, or Captain Patel. Mm. Is she re- really his girlfriend or just his side... P- his, his fuck buddy. F- fuck buddy, basically, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so... She, I think she wants one. I think she wants a relationship, and he's like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, he's just like, I'm, I'm out here. I'm going to be slaying some alien puss. Yeah. Well, <laughs> assuming they have one. Well, potentially, yeah. <laughs> Who knows what they're doing? It could just be all mouth-fucking. Who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, Captain Patel, she's, like, one of the bad guys of this episode, and she's taking her job pretty seriously, mm. but then, at, like, it's, she's taking her job seriously, but she also seems pretty happy when Una gets off. Well, she was end. also protecting Chris. She, she was, She yes. deliberately didn't put him on the witness list to protect him. Mm. She was protect. so, she was, yeah, she was definitely conflicted in, in what she was doing. I thought it was interesting, though, that the... Like the counsel, the lawyer that they originally gave Una was working for Patel. Like oh, that's and he was so bad. He's just a dumbass. Just a douche. Like just like a first year legal student. Just like, that free lawyer that you get when you go to the yeah, court or you like, get I think arrested. You do what she says. Yeah, nah. Douchebag. Yeah, and I love that Una was schooling him on it too. And then Pike goes to the Volterran Nebula. Mm. So he can get uh, like Una's friend, who happens to be a really good lawyer, yes, yeah, and that rights. friend's nearer, yeah, so good. And she she was so on the ball, like she called everything. Like when uh, uh, she and Pike were having the conversation, you know, and she sort of she'd been keeping tabs on what was going on even even before she was involved. Like, and she called. She's like, "Well, you know, lucky that they're not going to charge you with sedition as well." And then next minute. When they fired it, they hit it with two counts of sedition, which I had to look up because I was like, what's sedition? Okay. Um, What'd you come up with? Conduct or speech inciting people to rebel against authority of a state or monarch. Yep. That is a... At what point did Una do any of that? How did how did she conduct or speak in a way that incited anyone to follow? Like, she did nothing. She, she turned herself in. It has the potential to... I, I can see it. And, like... With all that legal speak and legal jargon, I get, yeah, fuck, we're not lawyers. It's a trumped up charge. It definitely a trumped up charge. Yeah. And they were going for the jugular. Oh, yeah. Like, they were trying to make a name for themselves and, mm. like, make a, like, oh, just, like, basically hang her in the square. 
Yeah, basically. Well, that's what they wanted to do. Yeah. Like, oh, it was like, why Why are they trying to do that to her in that day and age? Like, she's been such a good Starfleet officer for, what they say, 25 years yeah. at that point. Yeah, and Admiral April was the one that, you know, basically brought her into Starfleet. Mm. Yeah, and then she continued to serve admirably under Pike as well. So yeah. I wonder, it, it seemed to be a sticking point for her where they said, look, you you know you're gonna be able to still be a, a free federation citizen but you'll be dishonorably discharged from starfleet and she seemed to take like umbrage at that and i wonder if, if they'd said you can get an honorable discharge um whether she would have just taken it i don't know like ob- yeah. so without digging into my own personal life too much i was potentially facing a dismissal from my job yeah and it would have been dishonourable. And I'm like, fuck that. Like, oh. this is not happening because I've oh, not yeah, done no, anything absolutely. wrong. Yeah, no, so, I just mean, if it had been an honourable discharge, would like, she definitely was like, I'm not taking a dishonourable discharge. I, I don't think she would have taken but, an um, honourable discharge yeah, either. That's, yeah, that was what I'm curious to know is, um, yeah, like say they hadn't got nearer and they'd offered an honourable discharge, whether she'd have still, still fought. So, yeah, maybe. Um, but... How stubborn is Pike? So his mm. oxygen mask, <laughs> he was down to like 1% and he's just like, I'm all right, I'll sit here where he can't fucking breathe. I got nowhere else to be. <laughs> and then the um, the chick that sits at the front counter there was like, all right, all right, all right, and then takes him back. Fine, fine, fine. Okay, you're dying. The doctor will see you now. Well, the lawyer will see you now. Nira's office though, I don't know. Do you think this is like a little bit of a power move? She's got like this sweet floaty chair. Yeah. And then... Her guests have got chairs that have got like regular legs on them that touch yeah, the ground. That was absolutely a power move. Yeah. That's for where, you know, when she wants to appear large, she can just like tap it and just like just goes. Just raises her up a couple of inches. Her, yep. Yeah, like her yeah. everything about her, like just showed how like a powerful of a human or an Illyrian, <laughs> a person that she is. Yeah. Like she just had this I'm right and you know, I'm better than but like, yes, she was, like, portraying that she was better than other people, I guess. But at the same time, like, I kind of liked it, the way that she did it. Well, it wasn't in an arrogant way. No. It was she had, she had receipts. She backed it up. You know, at no point during any of that. Like, obviously, she went in hard on April, which, honestly, I was surprised that Starfleet were the ones that were just like, oh, fuck. She basically won it in that first oh, yeah. sort of speech. And they just went, no, we're striking this whole thing from the record. And I was like... That's a cop out. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But yeah, at no point did she ever seem to lose sight of anything. She was in control the whole time. I I guess my the only time I had a little bit of concern is when right after the whole um, April thing, Una sort of pulled her up and, and Nira spoke about how, you know, she doesn't normally have a platform this large and it was her little soapbox to get up. And yeah. Down. I was like... Oh, this is where it could go off the rails, but it didn't. No, you know? it, she just kept it on, like yeah. on those rails, she heading directly for freedom. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, very, very impressive character. I really do hope we see her again. I, I guess it's going to be hard to bring her back again for anything with those kind of stakes. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll flip, and it's we've got to help her with something rather than her helping us. But she's phenomenal. I want to see, I want to see more of her. Yeah, I don't know if it'll be this season, like. Yeah, too much. They say too much of anything ain't good for you, baby. So you know you've got to you know just give us little bits here and there. I don't want to get I don't want to get sick of her, but I definitely would would want to see her again. She's one of those memorable characters that you know in twenty years' time I think we'll still be talking about. 
Like this, even if she only gets this one appearance, this like whole, that one appearance was amazing. This whole episode we'll be talking about in twenty years' yeah. time. This was just the premise, the execution of it, the timeliness given of what's going on around the world in terms of trans rights, drag rights, all those kind of things. Like I don't know if you're aware, but it's like in America at the moment they're trying to make it illegal just for drag queens to exist. You know, drag queens are just people who like to dress up in women's clothing and dance on stage, you know? They're performers. They're clowns, essentially. And there are so many um, states in America that are trying to make it illegal just to do that. Let alone the next step being, you know, trans people and that kind of stuff. And I feel like there's a lot of allegorical nature between the comparison of the Illyrians and their cultural um, rights and what they're doing and being prejudiced against. So I think this is a really, really poignant episode. And funny to think it probably was filmed a year ago or something like that. Um, oh, yeah, probably. Quite quite funny to think that it's, yeah, it's, it's so poignant and I think it will be very, very poignant for years to come. I but mean, Star Trek has always done that, used like current themes yeah. in society. It's, it's allegorical storytelling yeah. at its best. Um, and I love the fact that there was a, there was even a line that Una had that was almost identical to one of her lines as Mystique from X Men because that's another you oh, know, yes. type of type of show that that, that does, does an it's an allegorical story against you know minorities are being persecuted and and I think it's the scene from like X Two where Nightcrawler saying it's like well you can look like anybody why don't you choose to look like one of them and Mystique says because we shouldn't have to. And Una basically says the same thing in this. Yeah. And, oh, it was so good. Yeah. So she says, yeah, she shouldn't have to hide anymore. Yeah. And yeah, that's obviously very allegorical of, yeah, trans people, gay people, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, I think that's fantastic. Um, and just, yeah, just so cleverly done. I think the, and it's probably my white privilege showing, but there was the only moment where I was like, ooh, was when Nira came in hard in like the first line of her opening speech. She's like, hey, remember remember slavery? And I'm like, whoa, she just went to a hundred. Yeah. That, oh. that really took me back. And yeah, I was she, like, whoa. She brought up like, was it slavery? Um, uh, apartheid. apartheid. Um, yeah. Like uh, just racism in racism general. Racism in general. Yep. Uh, bigotry against uh, worship. Yep. She brought up um, all of that, that stuff. That I thought was a really interesting angle on the debate was bringing it up as part of Illyrian culture and being persecuted for their cult. It's just part of their... Because it, it, it does... It did really make me think. It's like, well, well, yeah, just because we as humans aren't good at genetic augmentation and it led to Khan, it doesn't mean there aren't other species out there that can do it better. Yeah, correct. Yeah. You know, um, April had that stupid line where he said... Um, uh, genetic modification stops genocide. And it's like, does it though? Like, just because you had that, yeah, it was a really bad time. But that's like that's like saying, okay, well, German people cause genocide. <laughs> we're, not, we're not outlawing German people, are we? You know well, what I mean? No. It was just that one guy. It was that one German guy. Well, and a couple of his mates with yeah, him. Yeah, but he, you know, he had a few mates that, you know, <laughs> felt the same way. But it's not like we're going, well, it's now illegal to be German. You know what I mean? And to me, that's... And it's funny because obviously we've had episodes about genetic augmentation, you know, the most prominent one being Julian Bashir in um, DS9. Yep. And I never at any point 
debated anything about I was like, yeah, no, Julian's parents, they were wrong. They broke the law. It was from an, a wonderful place because they were just they wanted the best for their son. Yeah. So I got that. But they broke the law and they should have been punished. Whereas this episode, I'm like, oh damn. Yeah, well, like Una herself didn't break the law. Well, she did by joining Starfleet mm. and not telling them. Yeah. But she didn't have a choice, and neither did Julian in his um genetic augmentation. Yeah. So, and they, yes, they have the possibility of becoming a Khan, but who's to say that, like, you or I don't have the possibility to become an Adolf Hiller? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it, it's in all of us that we could do that, Yeah, but we don't. So, and until we do do that, how can we be punished? You can't punish, it's like, what was that um, minority report? They were punishing people in that Tom Off Cruise movie. They were potentially, potentially going to do, do in the yeah. future. Like, you can't. You know, punish someone for something that they might yeah. potentially do. And also, like, I mean, it wasn't brought up in the episode, but it's like, well, is there any history of anyone in Illyrian society or their history being a calm like character? As far as we're led to believe, no, they didn't bring it up yeah. as a that because that would have been a good counter argument to it. But it's like, well, they don't have that kind of history. No, and just because, you know, like humans of today, you know, like Khan well, originally was what, 1992 to 96. Something I think like it was. That. I yeah, think it was when, the um, was when the eugenics wars. Yeah, b- yeah, before they threw him into the Botany Bay and piffed him off into space. Yeah, um, but like just because like I've done something wrong doesn't mean that my children are going to continue to do something correct, wrong as well. Correct, yeah, like yes, I guess there is a certain amount of um, generational stuff if you're kept in that environment. Like yeah. everybody is a like a. Sh- What's, it's not really a shadow of the environment that they're brought up in, but like, what's the word I'm looking for here, Maddie? Like, they're like the environment. Like, so you could take a direct clone of me and put the, him in a complete different environment and mm. get him to grow up in, say, the Midwest of the United States, yeah. and he might not be the same type of person that I am yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's that classic debate of the nature versus nurture yeah. kind of scenario. So yeah, it's and it's yeah, you can't. And again, you can apply this to any group. It's like you can't judge an entire group of people based on an individual. Mm. You know, no matter what Venn diagram that person fits into, you can't pigeonhole them into into that sort of one thing, let alone, yeah, any of their descendants or anything like that. From what I know of Khan, though, it was Khan was born as an augment. Yeah, I think he was legitimately like yeah. created in a test yeah. tube kind of scenario. Not like Una, who was born and then genetically modified. Yeah. So maybe that's the difference. Well, um, I mean, it also does um, bring up something I was speaking about last week, which is how can La'an just wander around as a de- descendant of like the whole reason Una is on trial is because of Khan? Correct. La'an Noonien Singh is walking around as a blood descendant of that man yes. with his last name, but she's allowed to serve. So before the episode, like before we watched the episode, I said that maybe she was like the descendant of Khan's brother or something. Yeah. But from this episode, it made it sound like she was a direct blood descendant yeah, of Khan himself. Nira did kind of, you know, say, hey, look, you know, what you were saying before, like Nira said a similar thing in terms of, yeah, that potential is inside you, but there's potential inside you for a lot of things. You know, it's what you choose to do with what you're given. Um, well, yeah, it's like, yeah, 
like, and I've heard this before as well. It's just because you're a male with a fucking penis doesn't mean that you're a rapist. Yeah. Because other males have done it. Like, yeah, exactly. every, every, you've got that potential, but, you know, just because you've got that potential doesn't mean that you are. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's again, it's that because of this one element of what created you doesn't define your entire personnel and your entire being and there are there are so many layers to this um like this story and so many like paths you could go down like yeah you cannot help what someone else has done to you all you can do is make the best of what you've got yeah basically yeah so i think and una's done that yeah absolutely i just i just don't know why they haven't addressed yet the idea of of La'an. Like, obviously, it's, you know, I don't think they've mentioned it, but she's obviously going to be, like, the great, 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 Like, there's, it's going to be, you know, a long distance between her and actual Khan. But also, yeah, like, it's... And I was saying, to this, you off, saying this to you off mic, it's like, okay, well, if I went and genetically modified myself to change the colour of my eyes, and I'm technically an augment, and then I, like, and then... I have a child and that child has the new color of my eyes because my DNA is different now. So that child can't inherit my original eye color. Is that child genetically modified? You know? And then there yeah. was, there's that episode of Voyager where Balana finds out that she's pregnant and she starts playing around with the fetus genome. And she's like, delete these gene sequences thinking she's going to get rid of the forehead and then it turns the kid blonde. And then she goes, okay, delete these other sequences and it gets rid of the kid's forehead. And it's like, well, if she'd gone through with that... That child would have been illegal in the Federation. Yeah, would it, you know? Um, I mean, it didn't give the child any benefits. Like, it didn't in make it... Str- like, in the same way, like, Julian and... Khan. But still, as per the letter of the law, that yeah, child, yeah. Yeah, so... So, yeah, I don't, I don't know, but... but La'an being a direct descendant of of Khan. Khan. Like, obviously, maybe there's so much, like, you know, it's going to be one sixty-fourth of her DNA or whatever is going to be him, but she's still carrying around his last name. Um, yeah, and that's surprising, too, like, yeah, that they didn't change that last name. Yeah, I thought, I, as I said last week, I thought that would be her big secret, and we would know. And in the same way Una was carrying the secret about being Illyrian, I thought La'an would maybe have a, a pseudonym or a made-up last name. And only we as an audience would know that she is a Noonien Singh. So, um, yeah, I hope there's more to that because I really – because I feel like this would be the – like why else would you put a Noonien Singh on the bridge next to Spock um, if not to use it in this kind of situation? Because obviously, you know, when, when, when they meet Khan in Space Seed, Spock knows nothing. No, that's true. So – yeah, it's interesting. I'm I'm very curious to see at what the plan is. I, I don't know if shows like this, like I do remember back when, you know, Next Generation through Voyager and even I think Enterprise, they had what they called the show Bible and it was just, you know. Where each, are we going to? Well, yeah, each character had like a, a five-page bio, like of the whole history of their character, who they were. What, you know, and it's like, and those elements would not change. I guess it gives the writer something to work on. Yeah, off. so the writer can flick through and be like, oh, okay, Catherine played tennis when she was 10. I can put that in an episode, you know. Um, so I don't know if they, they're doing that now for this, but it's like, yeah, surely there has to be some kind of plan 
to put a Noonien Singh on the bridge other than a member berry? That's a good question though. Yeah. Like, so Alex Kurtzman, if you're listening, which you're probably not, <laughs> yeah, answer the question. Like, it'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah. See if they're doing so, that. Hopefully, it's not one of those things where the show gets cancelled before they get a chance to. Like, oh, I hope this doesn't get cancelled. It's gonna be for a it's while. gonna be a balancing act because it's like, well, if they reveal whatever they have planned, and then the show runs for another four seasons, do they not have anything else to do for Lan? And like, you know. Like I said last week, I was it this. I I don't think she's going to survive. I don't think she'll survive the show. Um, I hope she gets promoted and moved off somewhere <laughs> else. So I hope she doesn't die. Um, I I think given her given her past, I think she will meet a violent end, and probably to do with the Gorn. Yeah, well, it seems like we've got some big Gorn stories coming yeah, up. So yeah. anyway, something to a little bit lighter. So. I liked it where Ortegas and, and Benga were sitting in, you know, like, I guess the bar or oh, the, yes. the mess hall or whatever. Was, Just, when, you, when you started, I was like, what light moments were there in this episode? But yeah, of course, I'd forgotten yeah. about that. And just taking the piss out of that Vulcan Admiral oh, and Spock. So like, good. they're just having a conversation, but Mbenga's like, oh, you can see that they're, you know, annoyed at each other and you can see their body language and stuff. And Ortegas I mean, is just, you know, taking the piss out of it. It's funny. I feel like Ortegas was this far from just like using her hand puppet. Yeah. It was really, and yeah, then Spock comes over and apologizes to them for his outburst. Like, just for standing up. It's like, come on, man, you said nothing, did nothing wrong. That's what he has. Oh, so good. Then uh, La'an going to Uhura asking for the personal logs and any comms about Una. And then Uhura yeah. says no. Like, obviously... Sassy again this episode. Yeah, she's always very sassy, isn't she? Mm. Yeah, but, you know, obviously doing the right thing there. She's not breaking the protocol. Yes. But Laan like, obviously believes that she's the one that's turned in Una mm. because she said something in her personal log and someone's possibly I do, heard it. Yeah, I do remember her throwing a little bit of a tantrum last season when she found out about it, which I, I would understand too, given the connection that Una and La'an have, like they're besties. Um, and yeah, like I think at their level of friendship, they just assume there's no secrets. Yeah. You know, the fact, but yeah, so the fact that Una would, had kept this secret, again, to protect her, Una kept this secret um, so that La'an wouldn't have to keep the secret as well. But yeah, I can understand La'an being uh, upset about it. La'an's, she's got, it's almost like that resting bitch face. So she always looks mm. like, like she's angry about something all she's, the time, but she—I don't know. She, she's Balana Torres without the outbursts. Like Balana, yeah, does always it. angry. Balana was always angry and just had all these emotions right on the surface, but she would let them out in outbursts. Where I feel like Laan, I think, is actually the most emotional. Out you of think the, she goes back to her room later on and just beats the shit out of her pillow? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I wouldn't be surprised if we see some scene of her just like trashing her room oh. or going to the gym. Like where Cameron Mitchell trashes his room in the, the last episode of yeah. Stargate. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't be surprised if she's got like one of those, you know, those weird creepy, um, <laughs> they're like the punching bags that are shaped like a dude. Yeah. You, you just, I reckon she's got one of those. She's got like a little quarters. AI Roomba in her room. That's like, uh, again, Yeah, just cleaning up her mess after she fucking loses it. Yeah. So I think, <laughs> I think even though she's very cold and calculating and, and appears in control a lot, I think she's actually, 
the most emotional out of the entire crew, but it just, she just managed, in, in the same way a Vulcan can hold it in, she's struggling to hold it in. Mm. And there's a couple of moments here where you see, you know, she gets emotional in the eyes, you know, when she realizes, you know, it's not her fault. Um, and yeah, she, she carries a lot. She carries a lot. So yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of that character that I really enjoy. And I think there's a lot to expound on in I th- her. I think she's still very broken from her experience with the Gorn. Oh, absolutely. Her yeah. family. Like there's, there's definitely a lot more for us to learn and yeah. a lot more to see there about her character. And uh, yeah, I think this season we're going to see some of that. Mm. So, and I know next week is a very Laan heavy episode oh, okay. from, uh, right. from what I've seen so okay. far. So, another they, one. <laughs> yeah, another Give one. Give me my Ortegas episode, damn it. <laughs> well, I don't know if she's actually got one. Just we'll for Ortega. She's going to be the new Harry Kim, isn't she? She's just going to sit there these, all these seasons, <laughs> not get a single promotion, get one episode. Ha- Harry had some episodes, though. He did. He had some really good episodes. So, when Admiral April was in the witness... St- oh, so actually, with the witness stand... Um, there was an episode of the original series. Mm. It was called Court Martial. Oh, convenient. Right. Yeah, exactly. So there were a couple of things that I noticed about this episode and mm. that episode. So there was like a little disc thing that uh, Pike gave. Um, was it Nera? Yeah, Nera. So yeah. it was about four inches wide. Yeah. And it was an orange colour. They had the same sort of thing in that episode as well. Oh, I assumed it was just one of those, the weird little, like, the the original series versions of, like, Isolinear chips. I remember in... Well, some, yeah, very similar sort just, of thing. Because they did it when they were reading the charges as well. Like, yes. that other, the court stenographer? Yep. Where did I pull that from? Yep, that stenographer, yeah. Very, um, well, very good. Yeah, like, pulled out a little chip and put it in a little thing. And yeah, so that, that was a throwback yeah. to the original series. Yeah, and nice. I don't know if you noticed it, that when the witnesses were sitting in the chair their right hand was on like a... Yeah, I, I assumed that was like a lie detector type thing. Yeah, that was in the original series episode as oh, well. Oh, very cool. So they were like the two sort of things that were a throwback to the original series in their, like their courtroom episodes. So I thought that was really good and That's a nice very clever of the like the writers and the set yeah, dresses and all those sort of people. Yeah, like if you're going to do, you know, a prequel, then, you know, get those... Get those little things, those little things that matter. Yeah, absolutely. And it just it just continues the story and, and just enhances it for like if you're coming into this show and never watched the original series before, yeah. you wouldn't notice. And it'd be yeah. like, oh, okay, maybe you might think, oh, maybe that is a lie detector thing, but you wouldn't Yeah, I I use con- it would mean nothing to I you. use context clues to go, okay, that must be a lie detector or something like that. And it's like, yeah, if I was someone who'd never seen Star Trek and then after this went and watched the original series and saw it, I'd be like eh. I'd be, I'd be the, the um, Leonardo DiCaprio meme. Eh, 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 you know, I, I recognise I that. What would have enhanced it, though, would have been like, some, like say, Spock when he was talking mm. to maybe bring his hands together or something and then just get reminded by the council to put his hand back on it. That, I think that oh, would have yeah, enhanced it nice. just a little bit. And it would have taken all of a second and a half. Yeah, yeah, just to let the audience know that... That's important yeah. that their hand is there. Yeah. Because they, they did keep their hand there, but it wasn't sort of explained. No. So, but anyway, yeah, Admiral April, when he was put in that witness chair, he got roasted. That was spicy. <laughs> oh, dude needed aloe vera and an STD check because he got burnt and fucked over. Yeah, he definitely needed a cold shower after that. Yeah. So, he needed some of that burn gel and all that. <laughs> yeah. And probably some therapy as well yeah, after. Yeah, Nira went in raw. She, um, she <laughs> fucked him up. <laughs> she really did, didn't. And Shh. he got a little bit 
you know, angry about it. And then the judges were getting a bit pissy. And then they struck all yeah. of it from the record. And I thought that, that was some, pretty wrong. That was some bullshit. That, so, was, that was some dodgy Starfleet shit going on there. You had a bit of an outburst. Like It's like dodgy admirals fucking covering up for dodgy admirals. Yeah. Although was, Admiral April, I do like him. Yeah, yeah, no, he's interesting. It's good to see him in the room with everyone else too because I feel like last week he's just like in a little green screen room by himself talking into a monitor. I'd like to see like in a future episode where he has to interact with Una now. Yeah. Like whether there would be any animosity there or whether he would come to her and he'd just be like, look, I was just doing well, my job. Well, yeah, I mean like obviously when he goes in and um, doesn't take the drink from Pike – he talks up Una and says, you know, she was commented, but she's like, he's like, no one got to hear the good things I had to say about Una because of this fucking Illyrian you brought in who roasted me. Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't think Una would hold anything against him because she respects him so much. Yeah. And you know, when there was that scene where she asked Nira about who's on the, the list and she says, oh, the first post is April. And he's, and Una's like, well, that's great. We're, we're pals. He he sponsored my membership, you know, he promoted me, I've served with him. That's all great. Mm. So, yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, the, the the main takeaway from that scene is everyone seemed to think that Nero went in too hard and roasted April and, and basically indicted him rather than using him as a character witness. I, I like um, what Nero said, though. Like, the rules of Starfleet only apply when the captains say they do. Yeah. Like, how many times have we seen captains break the prime directive? Never Jane and get Wayne. away with it. Jane Wayne never broke it. She only bent. Oh, it. she would. She she played tap dance with that line. No, she had that line where she goes, <laughs> "I've never uh, broken it. Never bent it on occasion." And I'm like, "Oh, come on, love. <laughs> well, yeah, come on now, come on now." Uh, you mentioned just before as well how uh, Admiral April didn't take the drink from Pike. I really yeah. liked how Pike was just like eh, and poured it back into his own drink. He's like, "Fine, just, I'll drink double." I still, I still hate the open fire in Pike's quarters, though. That just it bugs me. He loves cooking, doesn't he? Loves cooking. That's great. I mean, Riker was a cook. Riker was a terrible cook, right? Because he cooked those bad eggs or something. Can you remember? He, uh, I think he cooked scrambled eggs for um, uh, who was the doctor that replaced Beverly in season two? Pulowski. Pula- yeah, I'm pretty sure he like made eggs for her, and they were terrible. Yeah, I just think that was Pulowski being a bitch. Probably, probably. <laughs> Um, you know, just that he's got a fireplace. I just, I just feel like fire in a starship is bad. <laughs> yeah, captain's problem. Um, maybe it's fake fire. Maybe because it's little also, holographic projector. Well, they don't have holograms yet. No, they don't do that. Yeah, so I'm just like, and it's also just using up oxygen in a yeah. spaceship. It Does, doesn't feel. I don't. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't yeah, no, I like get it. it. Like in that, um, if you're going out on a five-year mission, you want to save that oxygen. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Mind you, they're at space dock every other week getting repairs and stuff. Yeah, so. at the moment they are. Yeah, aren't they? yeah. Like at this point though, the Enterprise has been like, from what we can tell, the Enterprise has been on a few five-year missions. Like yeah, they went out with April yeah, on a five-year mission, the captain, which I never knew. I didn't realize April oh, didn't was you? the. Yeah, I didn't realize that the the um, Enterprise was such an old piece of shit. So there was by the time Kirk got it. I can't remember the name of the episode. It was a, an original series episode that never got. Ed, I think it was, mm. where uh, Captain April or Admiral April was actually played by a white dude. And because it never got aired, oh. was, it, was it Space? I can't remember what it was called. No, I, 
The only thing I, I the only thing I know about April is I thought he was a character he was invented in the animated series. Oh, maybe he was, um, but maybe they did that because the episode, the live action version they had never aired. I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I do remember seeing an image of Admiral April as a cartoon character, and he was just an old white guy. Yeah, so uh, Robert April, uh, also known as Robert M. April, was a human who served in Starfleet during the 23rd century in a branch Mm. of the Prime Timeline, Rank Commodore. Interesting, and there's a picture of him here. I I, I knew I was right. Is he human? Like, is he, sorry, like a live-action human? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. Live-action human. So, yeah, I got a problem with that. I always say, whenever anyone has issues with... um, like race swapping characters and stuff like that. I, my go-to is always Nick Fury. Nick Fury used to look like David Hasselhoff. and no, Absolutely, because it was. <laughs> no, yeah, no one liked that character. He was a boring, stupid character. Then they made him a spy who looked like Samuel L. Jackson before Samuel L. Jackson even played him. It was just like... Yeah. They, and he became one of the most badass characters ever. So it's just like sometimes doing that to certain characters... Like certain characters are perfect the way they are. They don't need changing. Um, but when it's a secondary tertiary character like that, changing them up actually makes them really, really cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, given a, a it, what's the next one down after tertiary? Quad, 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 I don't know. Quadri. Quadri. I don't, I don't know. I just made that up. It could yeah. be right. But yeah, a character like Admiral April, who cares? They could have gender swapped it as well. Who? Well, can, yeah, the only reason they did it is because... Admiral April wasn't actually shown in canon yeah. properly. So, and it makes yeah. sense. It's so fine. So, who cares in that regard? So, so, if anyone has a problem with it, it yeah. wasn't canon. Don't if, worry about you know, it. If they're going to cast Michael B. Jordan as Captain Kirk, I'll have I'll have questions. Yeah. Um, but it's like when it's a character like Admiral April, it's like, that's fine. This, but, this dude's cool. I like I like what he's bringing. Michael B. Jordan may be the next iteration of Kirk because we've seen like a few now. <laughs> so, anyway. So, um. One thing I did like in mm. this episode as well, which was a throwback to a short trek. So not everyone's watched all of the short treks and me hand up. Yeah. I, I, I've watched them all. Just I've had a lot of time on my hands lately. <laughs> so I watched all the short treks, but nah, some of those short treks are still, too some long. of them were terrible. They're still too long for me. A lot of them. <laughs> but Spock was talking about where he first met Una. Mm. And in that short trek episode, they got stuck in a turbo lift together. Yeah. And they, they learnt, they were in there for a long time too. And I think you did see this short track episode. Yes, this one I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. So. And she sings Gilbert and Sullivan. Exactly. So, yeah. And, yeah. and one thing that he knows about her is a secret that she keeps is yeah. that she has an affinity for Gilbert and Sullivan. I think that might have been the last time of the short track where she's like, nobody can know. Exactly. Yeah. So, yes. And it was, it was good because she keeps that as a secret and that he knows but he had to tell it and because it was like yeah. one of those tense moments like, oh, what's well, Spock going to say? Yeah, because as you said, you know, could you tell she was keeping a secret and Vulcans don't lie? <laughs> so he's like, well, she is keeping a secret. I love that how a lot of people still think that Vulcans don't lie. Like, because they do. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> like, and it's just something that Vulcans have not, like, dismissed really, isn't it? Like, we've seen Vulcans lie and we know they lie. Well, they just they just bend the truth till it gets to be what they need it to be. Yeah, it, they, do they bend it or do they just break it? <laughs> as far as logic will allow. <laughs> um, I did like the story Una told, and I, I'm assuming this is this is my headcanon for it, but Una tells that heartbreaking story about her best friend's cousin who got arrested 
um, for being an augment uh, while they were there. Who's that best friend? It's got to be Nera. Has to be Nera. It's got to be Nera. But they didn't say it, but it was insinuated. No. Yeah, and then because then Nira. That's why they had their falling out. Yeah, Nira has that finishing uh, line of questioning and walks away, and then Una keeps talking and keeps adding to the story, and then you see Nira just ever so slightly just break a little, and you just see it in her eyes. Um, something I found interesting, though, is is there was the the constant reference to Una passing for human. And, you know, you couldn't tell by looking at her directly that she was an augment. Mm-hmm. Um, but the insinuation, I felt like, it, it kept pointing to the idea that she passes and Nira doesn't. But we don't, as far as I'm aware, we don't see any of Nira's augmentations or anything like that. So maybe I'm just mi- misreading what I was seeing, but it, it almost felt like Nira was chipping at Una being like, well, you managed to do that because you pass, you pass. Mm. Um, yeah. So maybe that was just their way of, of nodding to the real world, the racial difference between them. Uh, but I, I don't know. I'm like, well, I, I want to see what augmentations Nira has. Well, sh- surely like, cause transporters are a thing. Surely the transporters would pick up Una's DNA and show that she's not a human. Like, I know in the original series, there were a lot of alien species that looked human. Yeah. And that's probably just down to, like, at uh, the time, they didn't have the technology. Yeah, may- maybe these maybe these transporters aren't... Aren't as sophisticated yeah, as, like, sophisticated TNG to, to type. Look at it. Or, like, someone would have to actively want to read the results, like look at the raw data from a transport and look at it and then have the knowledge to be able to go, oh, this isn't here. Like, yeah, that DNA looks different. Yeah, and what, tra- what transporter chief knows a lot about DNA, I well, guess. Well, I suppose, does it show so, the DNA on the screen? Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. And maybe it's a question of consent too in terms of um, like a doctor-patient confidentiality type thing. It's like, well, yeah, if, well if, yeah. I go, if I go through a transporter am I automatically giving consent for my DNA records to go on file or to be kept or to be analysed or, you know, something like that? Interesting thought. Mm. Very interesting. Mm. So, yeah, with Una and her family, it was a tradition of genetic modification. Yes. Yeah, and she hid her modifications from the Federation. and then she, But she also feared for their lives mm. when she broke her leg because, and this is all the things that got her cleared. Yeah. At the end, like, yeah, she was fearing for her life that if they went to the hospital, they would be segregated. Yeah, and yeah. there they were attacks and they, there was abuse. There, yeah. You know, there was all that kind of stuff going on. So, um, yeah, really, really, really good episode. Um, one, I think, I would say out of any episode of Strange New World so far, that will be the one that I can happily rewatch. Again and again and again and again and again. It, it was it was that good. Really strong, really and it powerful. will hold up. Yeah, timely and timeless. And then we find out that Una turned herself in. Yeah, yeah, because she was sick of living a lie. I love it, and I think so many people can can relate to that. You know, anyone who's hiding their uh, their gender status, their sexuality, any of those things, you know, get to a certain point where they're just tired of faking it and they're just like you know what i don't think people should have to fake who they are like just be be your authentic self but 
at the same time, being your authentic self, don't push your beliefs onto other people and make everyone have to accept, you know, everything about everyone else. Like there's some things about people that I'm not going to like. There are things that you're not going to like about people, but we still at the end of the day have to accept that we're all human beings and get along with yeah, life. Yeah, there's no there's no one person on this planet who has more or less uh, authority to be here than the rest of us, you know. You're not entitled to anything more or less. Like we are all equal. And yeah, and then the flip side to what you're saying is like, well, sure you cannot you know I, I might not agree can, with someone's lifestyle choices. Yeah, but you're but, also not going out and throwing rocks at them and saying they don't have a right to exist. It's just like your existence is as equal to mine, you know? Every human being should have the exact same rights regardless of their beliefs, their stat, whatever. And it's just like, cool, let's all just get along. And I love the speech Una gave about that, about, you know, her seeing Starfleet officers and they, they're all from different places, and, and they did along. that pan across the room with yeah. like Mbenga, Spock, Ortegas, and Chapel. Yeah, like four very different looking people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, still three humans, but um, well, Spock half human. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, um, yeah, really, really poignant, really, really well done, and yeah, not, not, not a discovery, and no, not to you know shit on discovery like we do, but not an over the top. Kind of thing. I, I I felt this the balance here was perfect. Like it didn't feel preachy. It just felt here are the facts. Like the way Nira says, Do you know why I love the law? Mm. You know, because it's a statement. You know, and yeah, it didn't feel it didn't feel like you have to believe this way. It's like just let everyone be their own thing. You know, and 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 be their own authentic self. I think where in current society some people are going very wrong and turning people against them is yes, it's okay to be your own thing, but if you're being your own thing and then making loud noises about it and expecting everybody to listen to you about your own thing, I think that's where you're turning society against you. Like you're allowed to be your own thing, be your own thing, but just live. Don't just like constantly shove it down everyone's throat. Yeah. But then again, I would say the flip side to that is there are parts of middle America that don't want people to exist that's, at all, yeah. you know? So that's, that's why uh, people who are marginalized need to make noise and say, Hey, we own this space because you're trying to take it away from us. Um, you know, you know, those, those, straight white cis folks, you know, walking through Alabama aren't getting rocks hurled at them and their rights taken away for simply existing. Whereas, you know, uh, a trans person or a gay person or something like that, they're actively trying to take their rights away just for purely existing. So, yeah. I they, think it's, they are, but yeah, yeah. It, it's a very hard one, isn't it? Mm, yeah, it is. It's, it's very complicated because... We, we live in a very divisive world right now. Yeah. Like even here in Australia... Like we've got the um, the voice to parliament vote coming yes. up. Yes, like like they're not being entirely they're not telling us everything about this voice to parliament. And like to me, this is the way I look at it. Everybody in Australia has the same rights as everybody else. Mm. So why are we trying to give a minority group a higher voice than? everyone else potentially because they haven't actually said exactly what's going to be written in this voice. Yeah. But I guess this is another, a topic for yeah, another no, thing. It, it is, it's an interesting 
option because it's like I've been listening to stuff and it's like there are indigenous people on even both sides of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yes and no. I think it's one of those things where it's like, yes, every Australian on paper has the exact same rights, but it doesn't mean in application people are actually being given those rights, especially in the private sector. Um, you know, there are a lot of businesses who will not hire people uh, based on their skin color. Even there Australia. are a lot of businesses that will specifically hire people because of their skin color, though. Yes. They're, they're, they've got these targets that they have to meet. And I'm like, let's stop doing that because we are automatically segregating people. Let's hire people on merit, no yes. matter what skin color or gender they are. Yeah. Like, and a- th- that would be the most like equality that you could possibly do. Yeah, yeah. I heard a scary statistic. <laughs> I'm not sure how accurate it is, but I heard one last year that said um, the I think it was the Queensland police in particular were to meet their gender quotas were actually passing female recruits who had actually not met the minimum requirement so that they had a higher number of female passes. Correct. So, that, so they could virtue signal yes. and say... Instead of just training them and saying, hey, you got like 75% of the way there. We just need you to get better at this thing. But hey, you haven't got there, so you're out. And, you know, like, let's just go, hey, there are 50 people that have gone for this job. Three are women, you know, 47 men. Guess what, women? You didn't actually make the standard. You know, it's going to be 50 men this time. Like, if you make the standard, you make the standard. If you don't make the standard... Too bad. Yeah. Don't care. Yeah, but like you are all human beings. It's virtue signaling and saying, okay, well, we're going to bring this so we can say, oh, hey, we had this many percent of, of, of women graduates this year, but then they're, they're laxing their um, uh, what do you, their rules and statistics and, and their, their, their pass mark. And it's like, well, the last thing anybody needs is undertrained police officers out in the field. Well, that and, like, if you've got police officers that – they've had to lower the standards for, that's actually just making it harder for the people that actually do meet the standards. Mm. Like, like imagine being like, obviously I'm a white male, right? Mm. Maddie's a white male as well, right? We, there is a certain standard for these jobs, right? And if they have to lower the standards, how is that going to make the women that do actually meet the previous standard feel? Correct. Like, there are standards for certain things. Let's not lower standards. Yeah. And any of those. Just to appease people and make up gender numbers or fucking race numbers and things. We're just how about we just have numbers of humans? Yeah, because are any of those actually qualified female officers going to think, oh, fuck, did I just get through because of my vagina? Like, did, exactly. I, did I not get through based on my skills as what I do for a living? So, like, And then putting them out in the field like that with that doubt. Is not great. In my job in the Australian Defence Force, up until only 10 years ago, I've been in for 18 and a half, almost 19 years. Women up until recently were not allowed in combat roles, Mm. right? Then they've opened the door to women to be allowed into combat roles. There are still some people that don't want women in these combat roles. But at the same time, I understand it because they have lowered the standards to enable majority of women to pass it. And at the, like as someone who has been in actual combat and multiple times, I've seen even some tough dudes not be able to handle, you know, being in contact with the enemy. 
and then we're lowering the standard. And that was when we had a higher standard. Now we're lowering the physical fitness standards to allow, you know, women and others yeah. into these jobs. I'm like, we're actually at the end of the day doing the wrong thing for the majority of people. Yeah, I guess, I mean, at the end of the day... Because like, people's lives are on the line. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I mean, if someone's speaking outside of that, I would hope that there's a lot more to your job than just being physically fit. You oh, know, definitely. I would think when it comes to the the planning side of the tactical... Oh, mate, like know, these things, days with my broken-ass body, yeah, you know, I'm not as fit as I was when I was 26 years old, but my tactical mind and ability to analyse stuff is top-notch. Yeah, and I think... Pat myself on the back. Uh-huh. And I think that that skill set is genderless. That that's a skill. That set skill is, set is, is genderless. Is but genderless. I'm still expected to be because I'm in a combat role. Yes, I'm still expected to be in that combat role. Yeah. So you know we've got to you know people's lives are on the line. Anyway, we've mm. digressed a little bit. It still really fits this episode though. Well, I think yeah, it's it's the conversations that I hope people are having after watching an episode like this. It should it should open your mind and make you think about your own preconceived conceptions on certain topics and go okay what if and just think about it but like say maddie and i for instance we've been mates for 20 something years now right Mm. we do stand on opposite sides of some things absolutely but because we are both open-minded type of people we will listen to each other's opinion without getting shitty about it yeah so yeah definitely and it's not my opinion isn't more important than yours. We're equals. So Correct. it's just like we can disagree on a, on a topic, but... At okay. the end of the day, just because we disagree on a, talk, on a topic, we'll talk about a topic and then probably enhance the other person's understanding of the topic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I've definitely learned yeah. some things from that. And I guess that, that's also from our privilege as well in terms of we're both in positions where none of our rights are being trying to be taken away, you know? Well, speak for yourself. Like, well, say, <laughs> <laughs> like, say, say, say I was a drag queen in America right now. And I was just, and I was like, well, I, it's just my job. I just put on a dress. I put on some clown makeup and I go out on stage and wiggle around a little bit. And people pay me money for it. Great. And if you were like, ugh, disgusting, drag queen shouldn't exist. They're fucking horrible. Well, then we'd have an issue because that's that's my livelihood. That you know, that's that's I think directly on me. Just you know, quickly with the drag thing, a dra- uh, the drag queen thing. Mm. I think where some of them are going wrong with this, and I know of some drag queens that have stood up against it, is they're putting these drag queens in front of children sometimes. And I that's think that's fine. Oh, like I, I don't necessarily agree with that because it really de- like some of the videos that I've seen are a bit like, Whoa, and there's a lot of other drag queens out there that have gone, yeah, this is sort of we shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, but also you don't you don't take a five year old to go and see Die Hard either. No, you know, uh, yes, there are adult only drag shows, but they are very much family friendly drag shows. Courtney Courtney Act reading a children's book on the ABC is not detrimental to children in any way, shape, or form. Not you necessarily, I mean? no. And you know, but you're not taking five-year-olds to nightclubs around booze and drinks and sex acts. Um, so there is there is a place. There is a time and place for everything. There, There is, definitely. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Um, yeah, Una, yep, she turned herself in because she believes in Starfleet. And then this, the Vulcan Admiral, I didn't pick up his name, by the way, did you? Uh, the, the one that the, was sitting with P- Battelle? Yes. Yeah, no. No, I didn't pick up his name. And I don't even know if they mentioned it, well, to be honest. 
I think they did because then they also there was the mention where um uh he and Sarek are colleagues or something like that. Spock has a history with this man. So I don't know if Admiral Javis, I think it is. Maybe. There's not a picture of him here, actually. Uh, like he's out of all of the cast members, he's the only one that doesn't have a picture. Yeah, right. It's just got his name. Um yeah, I feel like maybe that was an Easter egg that we missed. I think that might be a throwback to like something to do with with Spock and and Sarek from the original series because a bald Vulcan is a strong choice. Yes, so. have we ever seen a like apart from Tavine? Have we ever seen a bald Vulcan like that? I don't think so. Potentially, because normally Vulcans I mean, have got those very like it's very distinct sharp haircut. haircuts and stuff, don't they? Yeah. There's someone, I feel like there's someone just like in my face, like. No, no. Not, not, not remembering. Anyway. No, I mean, you've seen, you've seen more Enterprise than I have. Well, you've seen it more regularly than I have. So, I, and there's a lot of Vulcans rolling around in there, but. Look, I actually like, mm, as someone that's just rewatched Enterprise tomorrow. recently, Enterprise actually holds up. Hey? Yeah, and a lot of people, doesn't. a lot of people don't like it because of the opening theme song and how they changed it and made it faster and stuff. I mean, that's. Like. Enterprise actually I mean, they didn't do that till season three. Um, Correct, but still. Yeah. No, anyway, it's just a bad show. So when that, <laughs> when that vol- see, Maddie and I disagreeing <laughs> opposite sides. <laughs> Only uh, in this case, I am right. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm kidding. Uh, Vulcan. Oh, yeah. of course, it was. Oh no, he's a Romulan. Doesn't matter. No, oh, there we go. Yeah. So the Vulcan admiral, yeah, questioning Una about when Pike found out. <coughs> like he's basically starting to go after Pike now, right? But then. Yeah. Um, was it Nero was super smart and bought out Starfleet code eight five one four. Like and she had she had that whole physical book too. Like how often do we get to see physical books like that in Star yeah, Trek? Yeah, it's been a while. Like do you think that's just like a traditional thing that they wrote out? Like so they could have it as a big book. Like I don't know, because obviously the Nira, law profession is very traditional in certain things. Yeah. Nero asked for it from La'an. Do you think she went and so I don't replicated know whether, it? Yeah, well, they have, what, matter synthesis at this point. Mm. So I don't know whether she did that or whether, yeah, it was just locked up in a... <laughs> they had some room crewman out there printing it. Yeah, just standing by the <laughs> Xerox, just going, oh, I need 4,000 pages left to go. And then I've got to... It was a, bo- a big bloody book. And I've got to bind this thing. But yeah, so yeah, with Starfleet Code 8514, you know, obviously Una was fleeing persecution, fearing for her life. Seeking safety under Starfleet, and the captain may grant her asylum. And that was so brilliant the way that Nera, like throughout the whole episode, as they're in that courtroom, yeah. she's leading up to this. Like, there, now, I guess there are lawyers that are at that smart. Playing devil's advocate. Oh, send it. If I was on Patel's desk, I would stand up. And I would say, sorry, I was just having visions of being on Patel's desk. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um. I Patel, would, sorry, not Patel. I, sorry, yes. I would I would call Captain Pike to the stand and I would ask him directly if 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 they can ask the question, how long have you known Una uh, was Illyrian? My question would be, when did Una ask you for asylum? Because technically, we know this as an audience, technically Una never actually asked for she asylum. She didn't actually say, I want asylum. Yes. But, yeah. That's what I'm saying. There was a, to me, it was a moral victory anyway because Nero blew them all out of the water and the judges 
just went. Patel was yeah. very smart though. She wanted to keep him off the stand, and then Correct. when Nira did actually come out with this list, the look on Patel's face was she was relieved that yeah. Una had gotten away with this. Really, yeah. even though she was the prosecutor, it was it was quite good that like she could see the goodness still, and she didn't necessarily like what she had to do. Yeah. Like, and you know, talking to lawyers and police officers and stuff, they don't necessarily like having to do all that they do, but yeah. they have to follow the law. Well, I mean, is it Pike that had the great line where he's, well, I don't know whether it was this week or last week, he said, just because it's the law doesn't make it right. Well, yes, he did say that, yes. Mm. So, so, and I think I think that's very, very poignant. It's, you know, and in the same way, Nero then brought that, brought that back and said, well, how many centuries ago was it that slavery was legal, that bigotry was legal, you know? And Nero also said, I wrote this one down as well. She said, a law is an ideal, a beacon to better ourselves. Yeah. Like, and laws do change, which is great. Exactly. Because, you know, sometimes our laws are unjust. And, mm. you know, how many times, you know, even like here, especially in our country, like, because... You know, that's closest to us in Australia and we mm. know more about it, that people have been found guilty of things but they've used, like, wrong laws or something to, yeah. to do it. Or, or even I find the most poignant one at the moment is especially in um, LA and places like that, there's, there's people serving, like, life sentences for possessing marijuana, which is now legal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that would suck to suck. Like, But at the same time, like, yes, it was illegal at the time. Like, do you let them out now or do you leave them in because they did break the law? It's so hard yeah, to, it's to really, decide. It's a really Yeah, I feel like there's no... There's no right one, answer. There's no one correct thing. It's like it'd have, have to be addressed on a case-by-case basis, but... Which is something um, they mentioned in this episode. Like, when Nira brought all that up to the admirals, the admirals are like, yeah, we have to judge this on the merits of a case-by-case type of mm. thing. And in this case... Una, you're free to go. Yeah, absolutely. Which, which is good because then it doesn't create any big sweeping uh, pro augment. Um, what do you call it? Um, I don't know. What do you call it, Maddie? <sighs> What's the word when they uh, precedent? Yeah, a precedent. precedent. Oh, otherwise Julian's case yes, later on in DS9. Yeah, yeah, so it doesn't affect anything in terms of um, Julian's status and and any kind of uh, new laws that would have made it easier for him. Mm. Yeah, and then so Una. She's granted asylum and she's not guilty of all charges. And then yeah, she basically beams back onto the Enterprise. And then everyone get back to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But did you notice, and I did bring this up to mm. you at the end of the episode, and yeah, our listeners, tell me if you noticed, Captain Patel, she went through like three or four different hair changes in this episode. Mm. Like I didn't notice that. No, she, like in earlier on, she had like her hair like up and then she had it down flowing more and then it was mm. up in a different style. Like, I'm not one that normally notices this type of thing. Like, Maddie yeah. will be the one that, like, notices, like, Seven of Nine's shoes or something. Yeah. But I don't know. I just I just was yeah. like, oh, yeah. Like, because to, to me, she's an attractive woman, and I just noticed. I was like, oh, her hair's different. Meanwhile, Laana's just got that same, like, super tight braid in the back of her head. Well, some of the women that I work with, like, because of being in the military, they mm. have to wear their hair a certain way, yeah. which is relaxing, by the way, mind you. But it does give them headaches sometimes yeah, wearing yeah, that, that one tight. Looks super tight. I'm like, oh, if it's if it's super tight like that and it's giving you headaches, just loosen it up just a tiny bit. No yeah. one's gonna notice. You're gonna give yourself uh, traction alopecia in that sort of situation. <laughs> Is that what that's called? That's what ballerinas get too. It's called traction alopecia from like pulling their hair so tight into the buns, and it makes and they them start bald. losing their hair at the front. Yeah, right. Traction alopecia. Ugh. Yeah. Anyway. No, the thing I noticed from that scene was just the way Nira and, and uh, Una just held hands for a little 
along there as she was getting on the transporter pad. I well, was it's like, the, they're, they're old friends that have reconnected. Or do you think there's a, bit, a little bit more? Maybe a little more than friends. Oh, okay. Was there maybe a little something else? And that's why it cuts so deep. When, maybe. Like, that's why Nira was so hurt. And look, so I've seen something different to what Maddie's seen there. Mm. Yeah, only the writers will be able to tell us in the future, yeah, won't they? Yeah, you know. So very maybe interesting. Maybe we'll get our first, like, bisexual character in um, in Star Trek. Have we not seen that before? I think the closest we've gotten to is Jadzia. Oh, what about um, Mirror Universe, Norris, Kira? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's up there. But Mirror Universe, everyone's bisexual. In this. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. That's the problematic thing about the universe is all women are bisexual in the Mirror Universe <laughs> because Alita was as well, but all men are still very much straight in the Mirror Universe. Uh, and, uh, and obviously, you know, Garrick, but that was never... We need to that see more. Established. We need to see more. Yeah, well, Garrick, oh, yeah. definitely. What uh, something that uh, Lincoln always loves to quote, and he's quoted a few times in the Stargate podcast, is that um, uh, who's the guy that played Scotty in the JJ films? What's his name? Oh, uh, yeah, I can't remember now. That guy, but they did that movie, um, Paul or Paulie with the alien. Yeah, yeah, and that Paul alien is just like everybody on my planet's bisexual. It's all about the pleasure thing. <laughs> We can quote that all the time. Uh, anyway, I really enjoyed that episode. Really, uh, really enjoyed super, it. Super, like probably for me at the moment, the strongest episode like of Strange New Worlds yet. And don't yeah. get, there have been some really strong episodes Absolutely. of Strange New Worlds. Like, yeah, like I remember the the big speech Pike gives at the end of the first episode. I I teared up watching that. If they keep up this quality, mm. like as I said, what was it this week or last week? The first season of Strange New Worlds was the strongest episode, or strongest season mm. of Star Trek that they've had for an opening season yet. Yeah. All right. If they keep this up, season two could be the strongest season yeah. again. Like, which would be great. Batman 100. Like, because if we are having such strong seasons, for one, it's going to keep it on the air. Yeah. And two, it's going to bring more people in. Yeah. And bringing more people into Star Trek can only be good for not only, like, the world, like, people getting to see, like, different people interacting with different people and different races and, yeah. you know, different technologies and different orientations, everything. Like, that's good for humanity and for the future of humanity. Yeah. So... Yeah, I'm, it's, it's funny. Quite regularly, I'll sort of go, you know, what's... If I had to... Someone who's never seen Star Trek before... If I had to show them one episode to try and Ooh. get them in, you know, what would it be? What would I think about the first episode that I was ever shown? And all those kind of things. And, you know, I have a sort of a short list, but I'm like, oh, to, to watch this This one, would be a good one. That's where I'm getting to. It's like, normally I'm like, oh, well, to get this episode, you need to understand this one, but you need to have seen this one, you need to do this one. I think you could show just about anyone this episode and they would get it and they would be entertained first and foremost, but also it gives you a, a good representation of what Star Trek is about and showing a positive outlook on the future. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, there are some days where, like, we, we've seen, like, the race riots in, like, Cronulla here in mm. Australia and the all the race riots that they had in America the last, you know, few years and stuff. Like, yeah. that's not a positive outlook for the future. No. Right? But then, like, if the fact that human beings of today can come up with stories like this... It show to me anyway. It shows that we have that vision in our mind of what humanity can mm. be. 
has the Asgard from Stargate say, great potential. <laughs> yeah, we are the fifth race. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, who, who else is not a Stargate fan? Like, to be a Star Trek fan, you pretty much got to be a Stargate fan and vice versa. Well, but we, we know people that I, are. I've, I've seven years of a podcast that will prove you different, my friend. And just, just on that, the Stargate podcast that Matty does with the other guys, he gets punished when he mentions Star Trek stuff, yeah. right? If I, say but it, if I say it three times, I get my microphone turned off. I, obviously, I listen to that podcast back. The amount of times Matty sneaks them in there yeah, that buddy. they've got no idea about. <laughs> like there was one episode that I was listening to a few weeks ago. Before they even gave you a that's one, you'd snuck at least five references yeah. in there. Me, section 31, right here. <laughs> and they had no idea. Ah. Ah. Anyway, next week's episode is called Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. Isn't that the episode of an Orville? Uh, sorry, isn't that the name of an Orville episode? Uh, isn't that just Tomorrow and Tomorrow? This is tomorrow oh, this and tomorrow is and tomorrow. Rip off. So I don't know. Check. I will. Anyway, so you can find me on socials on Instagram and Facebook at Geek in Camo. Maddie, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at High Pitch Maddie. H I G H. H I G H P I T C H M A T T Y. Correct. So. No, suck it. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Season 2, episode 13 of The Orville. Really? Which one was that? The one where Kelly goes back in time and remember that she was ah, young, yes. her young self. Oh, because this one's a travelling back in time one as well. Oh, boy. So they've completely copied an episode title. That's interesting. I think it is a quote from, I don't want to say Shakespeare, but it's a quote from some, I don't know. some form of literature. We will look that up before next week's episode. Yeah. So anyway, girls, guys and Janice, see you later. Bye. Get into geek.